And see, there's some people excited about that. Because as I'm going to share not only the vision for our church for this year. See, God's vision is inclusive. I'm going to preach about that today. That, that his vision is our vision. And when God wants to do something, he wants to do it through us. So if we align our vision with his vision, it's our vision too. So if God is declaring something, he's declaring it for you. If he's declaring it for a community, he's declaring it for those who will do his bill and his bidding. And so I'm excited to share with you where we are, where we're going, and really the theme, the mission for our church for this year. And so I want to do something special, if you don't mind. And even if you're visiting today, even if you belong to another church, I still believe that God has something for you specifically to do in the context wherever you're from. So I want to do something special. I know you asked you to sit down, but can we just stand today? And I want you to stand, and I want to give an open posture, hands open. I'm going to pray a prayer that we would receive everything that God wants to tell us today. I really believe something special will be confirmed for you. Maybe a prayer that you've been praying. Maybe a question that you have. And what I love in the Bible, uh, when it, the, the Hebrew word for praise, when they would lift their hands, it's in the posture of a child who says, pick me up. You ever seen a baby that says, pick me up? That's where that word comes from, to just lift and say, dad, pick me up. I'm ready to receive what you have for me. So let's just receive it. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are giving vision. Thank you that you are giving direction. Thank you that you are giving cause and purpose and a plan for your people. Lord, the world has a vision. Businesses have a vision. Politicians have a vision. But we believe in a kingdom. And the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is near. And today on this day, on your Sabbath, on the day that you have ordained for us to be, here and to be rested and to be with you, we open our hands to say, Lord, we receive whatever it is you have for us. May we be listening and may we be willing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe God's going to receive it, why don't we use those hands and put them together. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. You can be seated today. So as we mentioned, today is Vision Day and once a year, we get the chance to kind of push out and lay out and put the vision out for the people. And the way vision works is that when God releases the vision, and for me as the leader, as the pastor of this church, really my job is to cast vision. My job is to seek that vision, to say, God, what is it that you want to do here with us? And then I communicate that vision. And the people pick up the vision and they run with it. You're supposed to pick it up and run with it. And it's supposed to be plain. It's supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be easy for you to pick up and run. And I'm excited that the Vision and New Movement, we're already seeing it come together. But today we're going to outline what it is for 2020. And so let me just start with the basics. Let me just start with the things that you just need to know about who we are. First of all, this is what we, this is our mission statement. This is who we are as a, as a church. We exist to create a movement that models Jesus' method of ministry to bring hope to the city. That's what we do. That's what we're all about. We are a movement that models Jesus' method of ministry. And Jesus' method was to come close. Jesus wasn't a far away 
type of God or Savior. He was close. And so that's our mission. And the way we accept that and the way we do that is in two, two ways. Collectively, the way we do that is to build a team that brings a crowd to Jesus and brings Jesus to the crowd. Bring a crowd, say, come here and see. But we're not just about to come and hear. We're about to go and seek to find the goal, the tell. Let's go bring Jesus to the crowd. And so we do that as individuals, as individual people. We accomplish this by living a life of overflow, being filled up and poured out. That is the visual model of discipleship, what it means to be a disciple. In fact, Jesus did not tell us to go and make members. He said, go and make disciples. And disciples is a process of being poured into and then pouring out to receive discipleship and leadership and then to disciple others. Some of us have been in church a long time and all we've done is received and we have not helped other people. And so we want to live a life of overflow. We are the conduit of the blessing that God wants to pour out. And here's where we get this from. It's in Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. Can I supply a word in there? I know the vision. Somebody say vision. I know the vision I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. Isn't that good to know that God's plans for us are for good? They're positive things. They're for good, not disaster, to, to give you a future and a hope. This is what we bring to the city. We bring the message that it's not over. We bring the message that you can get off, get away from addiction. You can be healed from depression and you can get help. There is a future. There is hope. You don't have to live this way all your life if you're not living up to the vision God has for you. And he promises that in those days when you pray... I will listen. That's good news. That when you pray, I will listen. It's a promise. And Jesus in the New Testament really shares this same vision when it shows that when he started his earthly ministry, when he started his ministry in earth, here's what was said in Matthew uh, chapter 4 verse 17. It says, from then on, Jesus began to preach this message. Simple message Jesus preached. He preached the series for three years. Same message. Repent of your sins and turn to God. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent of your sins. That simply means to acknowledge that your vision and your plans and your ways are not God's ways. And to release them, to turn from them, go to a different direction and to turn to God. And that the kingdom of heaven is near. That doesn't mean that the kingdom of heaven is coming. What Jesus is saying is that all heaven showed up when I showed up. I am the ambassador of heaven to earth. And I have brought all the power that I have with me. And Jesus was an excellent quarterback. And what he did is ran the read option. And he read that I'm going to carry this for about three yards, maybe three and a half. And then I'm going to pass this ball off to the church. 
And so the same power, the same mission, the same message, the same kingdom is still here in the earth. So he's saying it's a power of proximity that the kingdom of heaven shows up. We say this all the time. Church does not start when you get here. When does it start? When you leave. So when you show up, the church is showed up. When you come to work, the kingdom of heaven is near. When you show up as the church, we show up. And so vision is basically this. Vision is what God wants. Can we just be human for a second? Because we know what we want. Right? And sometimes what we want and what we need aren't the same thing. Sometimes we've turned what we think we need into what we want. But we know what we want, and God says, that's your choice. I'm not going to punish you for what you want. You want it? You can live with the consequences or the success that comes from that. But vision is what I want. And what I want is for your future. What I want is best for you. What I want is to give you hope. And so my vision is what I want. And here's what Proverbs 16, 1 to 3 says. It says, make your own plans. We can make our own plans. Isn't that good news? Nothing wrong with that. We can make our own plans. We can have autonomy. We can think for ourselves. We can desire what we want based on who we are and what we're dreaming for. But the Lord gives the right answer. Other versions say, submit your plans to the, to the Lord. People may be pure in their own eyes. Sisters, can I get an amen on that? <laughs> yeah, they didn't catch that. But the, Lord, <laughs> but the Lord examines their motives. People may think they're doing the right thing by trying to do this or that. But the Lord examines your motives. And here's what he says in verse 3 that I just mentioned. Commit your actions. Other versions would say, your church, submit your plans. Commit your actions to the Lord. Say, here's my plan. Here's my idea. Is it a good motive? Is it the right place? Let me submit it to you. And here's what I love. And your plans, submit it to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Why? Oh, that's a good word to praise him. Yeah, let me cut you off. I cut you off with the praise break there. Submit your plans to the Lord. What's the process, though? Let him interview you, right? Let him process your motives and what you're thinking, right? Let me see, is this, should I really try to take a second job right now? Or maybe I shouldn't because I need to be at a small group, right? I need that. And God says, not right now. I'll give you more money at that job if you just get yourself, your plans lined with me. And your plans will succeed. Why? Because what God wants and what you want is the same thing. God has the power to have capacity for what he wants and what you want. In fact, God is so bad that he can take what you want and what I want and what the devil wants and still make it good for us. That's how good he is. So so here's what Jesus taught us to pray. Well, first of all, he says God responds to people who align their vision with his vision. He responds to that. If we say, all right, here's my plan, here's who I want to be with, here's what I want to happen for my life, but let me run it by you, and God says, this is a good plan, and when you align your vision with his vision, God responds to that. In fact, this is what Jesus told us to pray for in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. He told us to pray, may your kingdom come soon, right? May your kingdom have presence wherever I ask it to be. 
Sometimes you guys are at, we're all at, us can be at difficult jobs, difficult environments, maybe difficult homes. And God's saying, I'm showing you the darkness so you can invite the light to it. I'm showing you a negative place that the kingdom needs to come and be. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What God is doing in heaven is what God is doing in the earth. And let those things be the same thing. Let what God wants come to pass. And here's my favorite part of this. This is what you want to write down. If you've got a vision you want to bring to God, if you're a note taker, here's one line you should write down. God provides everything that is needed for the vision. And he uses people to get it done. See, that was just good news for you. Let me put it like this. If God's vision is to build a $1.4 million apartment complex for this church. Now, he hasn't given me that vision yet, so let me not, let me not put that up. <laughs> Maybe he has. And in the past, what God has allowed us to do here is to do what we've done here debt-free. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. I, I got a few people in here. I'm talking about a few people who, are, who have been in this a part of the church that launched this church for a long time. And they can tell you it wasn't but a handful of people that got poured out rich. Can I get some witnesses in here that poured out a rich blessing? So what, how did he do it? He poured, out, poured it out on the people that were willing. I can tell you, I can tell you so many people who have been faithful to serve God in this church. And God does stuff like give raises, gives promotions, gives bonuses, gives all kind of stuff. Because he does it through you. If he wants to bless something, he gives it to the people he can trust that's going to steward it. But he provides everything you need. And I love what my friend, Dr. Carlton Bird, a speaker director for Breath of Life, pastor of the University, Oakwood University Church, he says, I never had a vision that I could afford. That just helps somebody right there. I just read an article this week about one of the, one of the, the original employees for Amazon talking about how scared he was to what Amazon has become. He was scared of it because he didn't know how it was going to turn into what it turned into. And that's because a man had a vision. Like, I think there's some Amazons up in this congregation. There's some ideas that you just have to give to God and let them line up. So everything you need is there. It's there for the vision. Everything we need is in this very room. We don't need to borrow from anybody. We don't need to ask for anybody. All the gifts, all the talents, all the skills are right here in the church. And so what I love about what God does is he says, I'm going to use people to get it done. I'm going to bring the kingdom to the earth and I'm going to use the people who are willing to get it done. I'm going to provide. We won't have a spirit of lack in this church. We don't have that spirit of lack. We don't have this, well, we can't do this and maybe we don't have enough for that. No. If God says we can do it, we can do it. If God says it's coming to pass, it's coming to pass. We're just going to do it. And I love this story in the Bible. It talks Jesus gives this illustration of what the kingdom of God is like. Maybe you've heard this, but I want to share this story with you in a different way. It's for some of you, if you're familiar with the Bible, it's called the prodigal son, the lost son. 
The story basically goes like this. that Jesus tells this parable, this really wealthy father, almost like a king, like he's like super, super rich, like he's super, super rich. And his son comes to him one day and he says to him, dad, I want my money and I want to do my vision. He says, I want my inheritance up front. The father's vision was to have an inheritance for the two sons that we hear about in the story. But he's like, no, I want to take my own vision and I want to do my thing and I want my money up front. He was hasty about his money. He was loose about his money. He wanted the quick money scheme. He wanted to look good. He wanted to flash. He wanted to glow up. He wanted clout. He's like, let me just, let me just get my money and let me get out there. And so the dad says, fine. Now, the dad must have some paper. As the elder says, not cheese, cheddar. (laughs) To be able to give somebody's inheritance up front, like the trust fund, the 401 is up front, here. And I I can do that and keep going. So he says, fine, I'll give you the money. Takes the money. Here's what the Bible says. A few days later, he picks, uh, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money on wild living. Here's what I learned. Our plans, when they're not according to God, they don't really fit well in the proximity of God's vision. A lot of times, the mess we get into it's not because we're close to the Father. It's because we've gone off in a distant land. We have wandered from him so that we could do our vision. Because our plan sounds better and it doesn't sound good in his country. Because you know what's happening in his country? His dad is a boss. His dad knows what's going on. And people are looking out. There's your son. He's over here spending money. And so he goes to another country and he's wild. He's, man, he is, he's in Vegas, right? He's spending money. He's driving everything. And soon before he knows it, it starts running out. Here it is. He starts getting in debt. Can I just tell you that it's not God's will for us to be in debt? I didn't get a loud, I didn't get, Charles, do we have a, do we have a uh, amen on the computer loaded? Can we get that ready for next week? So I can just push a button on that. I mean, he had Sally Mae calling him, American Express, Visa, Money Tree, right? He got kicked off of DSS, no Section 8, no food stamps, no WIC. I I know what I'm talking about, (laughs) y'all. Said my WIC got cut off. Nothing. No resources. And, and he's so messed up, he spends so much money that he finds himself begging for a job. Begging for something. He gets down to the point where the only job he can find is feeding pigs. Now, you've got to understand where, where this brother comes from. This brother's coming from Ivy League household. Okay, yeah, okay. He's coming from filet mignon, right? Like, that's, that's what he eats. His dad's talking about the marketplace at home and stocks. Like, he's an educated, rich young man who's been raised in an upper bracket million dollar, billion dollar home. And he can't find a job. 
Nobody will give him a job. Nobody wants to take his mess. And so he's literally in a pigsty feeding pigs, which is a pretty simple job because pigs will eat anything. See, here's, here's, what's, here's what this, this story I need to say is that what, what we want to do as a church is, is really pull out and destroy and tear down a poverty-lack mindset. But see, poverty, a poverty mindset can only think about today. Whether it's financial poverty, whether it's spiritual po- poverty, whether it's relational poverty. Some people are relationally broke, bankrupt, nobody to talk to, nobody speaking into their life, nobody correcting them. They just want to do it their way, and that's bankruptcy. And this poverty mindset says, I can only really think about what's today. I can't even think about the next week. And people who come from a place of wealth, they're not thinking about today. They're not thinking about the next week. They're thinking about 10 years and 20 years and 120 years down the road. That's a wealth mindset. And he had gotten to the point where his vision didn't work. But here's what he remembered. He remembered his father's vision. The boy remembered how his dad used to get down. The Bible says when he finally came to his senses, he came He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have a 401k. That brother said, even the hired servants got health care. And have enough food to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. Here's what happened. He remembered his father's vision. And he remembered who his father was. Something about it reminded him. You remember, man, I used to have... I used to have a chef. I used to have a dietitian at home. I used to be able to call room service. Right? And right now, this pig slop is looking good. I, I need to come to my senses. Can I just tell you, I praise God for, for God allowing us to come to our senses. Anybody just been down in the pigsty and said, thank you, God, that I can't. Some of, that, some of y'all that happened at Valentine's Day yesterday, you were like, you know what? This brother ain't going to work out. You better take these chocolates back to the dollar store and look, this ain't, I can't, can I get anybody in here? Come on, sis. Come to your senses. Sister is not going to work out. This ain't working out. Praise the Lord. I got a witness in here. So the Bible says, it's the story says that The father, he says, I'm going to go home, verse 18. I'm going to go home to my father and say, Father, got a speech. I've sinned against both heaven and you. Look look how he understands. I've not just sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. My plan, my vision was in conflict of not only my father's will, but what God wanted. Right? And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He knows the grace his father has. And really, as Old Testament uh, practice would tell you that if you ask for your inheritance ahead of time, you're literally saying, I wish you were dead. And Hebrew law said you could be killed on sight. He's taking a risk. 
Bible says, though, his father, and Jesus is trying to explain how the kingdom works. He says his father was looking for him. His father knew, yeah, that money's going to run out, and he's going to come back home. And he says his father was looking for him, and he was waiting, and finally, here comes the son. Here he comes, dragging and dirty and beat up and tatted up and everything from his life and his vision. He's completely depleted, and he sees him, and the Bible says he runs out and he hugs him, probably keeping him from being shot on sight. Runs out. And he tells, the guy has his speech, the son says his speech, he doesn't even talk to him. Then the Bible says, the father said to the servants, quick, go bring the finest robe. Go get my best robe. Go get that Versace suit and get the tailor. Go get that. Go get that ready. I want the Gucci shoes, right, in the bag. Go get the Gucci. And then put it on him. Get the ring. Get that ring that uh, Bruno Mars wears in 24 karat magic. Get the chains, get the hat, get all that ready and put the sandals on his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. Dad was like, I got this thing ready. I got this carne asada getting ready to go on the grill. Get the calf ready. We must celebrate with the feast for the son of mine that was dead has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is fine. So let the party begin. You know what we try to do every week at New Movement? Throw a party. Because we know somebody's coming back home. We know somebody has come to their senses. And it was the beauty and the faith of God to bring them back home. But not everybody's happy about it. Big Brother's mad. Big Brother's like, I ain't going to that party. He wasted our money. We, he, he, he disrespected you. Don't you see the justice in this? I don't want to have anything to do with him. He says, I don't really care about him. I don't want to talk to him. And then the son gets upset. He says, look, I've been here this whole time. I've been doing right. And nobody threw a party for me. Nobody said anything for me. Nobody cared about me. See, that's, that's something that happens in the church. Can we just be honest? This older brother mentality that once I'm, you know, nobody celebrates the fact that I didn't leave and nobody celebrates the fact that I've been serving and I've been giving and I, I didn't do this. Why aren't you paying attention to me? Here's what the father says. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother, brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he is found. He was lost and now he was found. And the Greek there for the word lost, it's in an aorist tense, which means that he was in the... Pro- in other words, the father was saying he was already lost before he left. He was already lost here. He just had the courage to leave. And the reality is, older son, you are lost too. You just didn't leave. Because your vision is not my vision. You don't see the value in him the way I see it. You're in the same position. You just never left. You, you, you believe the same thing. You just don't have the courage to leave. You don't got the courage to get high. You ain't got the courage to go find some strippers. But you would do it if you could. You just ain't got the courage to do it. And so we need to celebrate. We need to honor. And here, church, is the vision for our year. Here is what the vision is. 
It's for the one. Our vision for 2020 is for the one. And here's what we're going to do. We are going to love people back to life. We're going to love people back to life. That's our vision. It's to be, listen, we're not the older brother. Do you know who we are? We're the servants. I didn't see that one coming, huh? We're the servants. We prepare the fat calf. We get the sandals ready. We take care of everything so that when God sends us the one, we celebrate, we receive, we restore, we bring them back to life. We throw a party when somebody says, I'm getting down in this pool and I'm going to give my life to Jesus. We're going to celebrate because somebody came back to life. They were dead and now they're found and we're the servants and we're going to throw a party for the one. Because that's the one that Jesus died for. That's the one Jesus gave his life for. That's the one he's poured out all of heaven to save. Because the prodigal son really isn't about the prodigal son. It's the prodigal father. It's the father who would spend so much on the one. And Jesus is the representation of the kingdom of heaven who, who spent the most expensive gift in heaven, the precious blood of Jesus for us. He's extravagant. He is lavish. He pours it out. He leaves nothing left in the bank account. And what we serve is a God who still has more. Let me encourage you with this vision. That you may not be able to change the whole world, but you can change the world for one person. You can change the world for the one. Just one. Here's what I know. Everybody has a one. Everybody has a one. Everybody has someone who's lost. Everybody has. I can look across the room. I know those who have children who are not in a relationship with Jesus that you would want them to be. Here, let me encourage you. First of all, they're in a relationship with Jesus because Jesus knows who he is and who they are. And he has not forgotten them and he has not given up on them. In fact, one of these days, they're going to come to their senses because he's going to be right there with them, whispering them. That's okay. Come on back home. But when they come home, they might come here. Somebody's one might come here. Somebody's one came today. And as we start a movement, it's not just here. It's a movement that every church would have the vision to receive the one and throw a party for them. Not look down their nose, not give them a bunch of religious banter, not criticize them, not ask them where they've been or smell their breath or tell them they need a Bible study, but to literally throw a party and say, welcome home, Son, daughter, we love you. It's for the one. And so the church has got to get back to being for the one. Because when you know you're the one, you remember being the one. Some, some people haven't figured out that you're the one. You just might be the older brother. Lost in the house been in church all your life but you have never really realized that you're the one let me share some data with you data shows that in fact 
no one is sharing their faith to the one. Studies say that nearly 90% of active churchgoers have never shared their faith with someone outside their family. I'm not talking about proselytizing. I'm not talking about giving somebody a track or tell. I'm talking about sharing their experience about how Jesus rescued them. Only 2% of members invite an unchurched per- church person to church in a given year. That means 98% of churchgoers never invite someone to church. 90%. Think about it. When was the last time you brought somebody with you? Now, I'm looking at a church that invites people because we believe in being invitational. But I'm not just talking about inviting them to church. I'm talking about being invitational, inviting them into your world, bringing the kingdom to them. Stats say that 98% of people have not brought someone invited them to with them to come to a church service 75 percent of seven-day adventist church members in north america who were asked if your church were to disappear would the members of your community miss it believing that they don't even know where we are here can i just tell you that's not our church can i just tell you when it's all said if we had to move that they would feel it if we had to move they would say no please come back Because the church, our church, is getting back to being for the one. I got to get through this, but in a minute, I'm going to talk about these four commitments that we're going to make. And I'll put them on the screen, but I'm going to come back to them because I want to talk about one specifically. But we're going to make these four commitments at a church uh, through this year. We're going to talk about it as a church and individuals. That we're going to pray for the one. That we're going to serve for the one. That we're going to give for the one and we're going to look for the one. I said we're going to pray for the one. We're going to serve for the one. We're going to give for the one. And we are going to look for the one. And I need, as I told you a couple weeks ago, I need to talk about this one. I need to talk about giving because I want you to see something. As I mentioned earlier, that when God wants to do something, he does it through people. And he does it through people who are willing. And for some of you, you don't understand how this works and how we do this. And I want to share it with you as a way of inviting you and letting you know what we do, but also to give God praise for what he's done. And as I mentioned earlier, God provides everything that is needed for the vision and he uses people to get it done. Now, when you give, you either give a tithe or an offering. A tithe is 10% of your income, whether you give it off the net or the gross, that is completely up to you. And an offering is what you give on top of what God has asked you to return to him. A Bible text that we say all the time and we believe is that you must each decide in your heart how much to give. You don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. But the Lord loves a person who gives cheerfully. If you're not ready to give, don't give. If you're not convicted, please don't do it if you're going to be mad about it don't do it please we don't want it trust me but giving is like this it's tithing offerings and some of you may not be familiar for how this works I'm going to show you this graph that our tithe when you give something and earmark it as a tithe it doesn't stay in this church did you know that it goes for a global mission as a part of our Adventist network we pull all our money together and we provide mission 
and support for not only the churches in our state, in our region, but all across the world. So here's the good news. My salary, because I am paid to be the pastor, amen, we ought to have a praise break up in here. I would do it if I wasn't getting paid, though. Y'all know that, right? But my salary is not actually paid by the local church. Isn't that good? You don't have to worry about me. I'm taken care of. Y'all ought to shout about that. Our system means I got health care. Amen? I got these glasses. Doesn't mean I'm going to be rich. But it means I'm taken care of. So your pastor's taken care of. Your pastor's family's taken care of. But what is given locally is what we call offering. And that's what takes care of the house. That's what takes care of ministry. That's what takes care of the things that we want to do. And so this is a breakdown of how it works. We're in the Upper Columbia Conference. And so when you give a tithe, 75% of that goes there. And then that pays for all the salaries of all the pastors, all the teachers in the schools. They're paid for by what you give. And it goes out to the union, which is like uh, the North America. North America. It helps with those ministries, and it goes to the world. And so for us, what we give locally is what we use for ministry. And here's our approach, so you know it. We have a very, this is our financial approach. This is how we deal with finances here. We take a simple approach. We have a very simple budget. And look, we are willing to show you that at your request. We are very, very open to do that. So what we do with that is we keep it simple and that we don't get into debt. Whatever we do, we do it with the cash that we have on hand. Amen? We won't do it until we have the cash in hand. And then we take a balanced approach, which means we don't want all of our money being spent on bills more than what we're spending on kids and ministry. So we keep that balanced. We want to make sure that what we're doing is not sitting here paying for bills because that's not kingdom growth and kingdom building. And then we're transparent. We are very transparent. We are 100% transparent. If you're committed to, to, to being a part of giving, we will show you our budget. We will show you our expenses. We will show you every dollar that we spend. We have nothing to hide. And we go by faith. In other words, we, we think big. We have bold ideas. And we say, God's going to provide. God's going to make it work. And that's the way we work. And so with that goal, let me just give you uh, the way we break it down. Because we have four categories. We have operating expenses. We have staff expenses. We have ministry expenses. And we have what we have for growth and expansion. And so here's what we need. For some of you, this may seem very modest. This may be very small. Some of you, this may seem very big. But I'm going to show you a budget that we want for this year. And I'm going to tell you that over the years, we have not met this. We have met what we've needed, but we have not. With this, What I'm telling you is God has been miraculous with what we have. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So let me show you. This is what our budget goals are for this year. That what we are praying for, and I know it may seem small to some of you, and it may be seem big to some of you, others of you. But it is to give, to have $5,000 monthly for our ministry and to give $5,000 as a tithe to our conference. And at the, so each month that would be $10,000. And at the end of the year, our total giving would be $120,000. Now here's where we, this is how we break this down. What we're at the end of the year, how we know God is blessed and how we've been successful is this, is that we've increased our giving by 15%, 
that we have 40 people, 40 units that give, and that we have 120 days of cash. And I'm going to break this down. Okay, let's celebrate. I'm sorry. I'm just pushing ahead. Let me show you what that looks like. So a total giving of 15% would mean that we would be giving up from what we gave last year. We would get 15000 more in local and 15000 more in tithe. For 40 giving units, right now, I'll be honest with you, for those who consistently give, what we consider a unit is around 12. 12 consistent giving units. And we thank God for everyone who gives, but consistently what we can count on is only 12 units. Now, for us to reach the goal that I showed you would mean this, that once a month, 40 people would commit to $250. I know that for some of you, you're having different thoughts about that. And that's $60 a week. That would be uh, $125 with tithe and $125 with offering a month. 40 people doing that consistently, and we cruise our goal. We cruise past it. And 124 days of cash is $14,000. That basically means if every if we lost everything or nobody gave again that we could we could run this church for 120 days until we could pray fast and pray for 120 days and figure out what to happen but that's never happened but that's the cushion that we're praying for and let me show you one last thing and then we're going to we're going to move on but uh, there are some projects that we are doing this year that we that help us accomplish this for the one First of all, have you seen, I meant to bring it, I forgot to pull it out front. Have you guys seen that truck that we got in the back? I forgot to bring that out to the front today. I'm very sorry. Uh, maybe I'll bring it out next week if you're here to see it. But that truck we purchased two, year, uh, two years ago, and that is our mobile new movement truck. When I say we're bringing people to Jesus to the crowd, I literally mean we're bringing Jesus to the crowd. And we have a ministry called the Reading Corner which is our goal is to bring, to put a book in the hands of every child under five in a two-mile radius of this church. A book in the hand of every child under five. And I gotta just, I just gotta witness this, and I'm gonna put this on camera, that, I, that the principal of Virgie Robinson, right down the street, reached out to us with the superintendent of Pascal Schools, assistant superintendent. They met right here yesterday in that lobby, and they literally asked us to adopt them. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. I said, the school came to us and asked us, would you adopt us? Could you just show up and play with kids? Could you just do something fun? I gave a good Adventist answer. I'm going to bring it to the board. But, I'm, I, but what I was saying was, of course we will. So that mobile truck, all we really need for that. And look, some of these numbers, if you have skills, I know some of you are mechanics, these numbers can drop. This is if we had to pay someone to do everything. All we need is $4,000 to get that truck ready to go. The other thing that we're excited to launch this year is we want to start live streaming our service. I need, somebody, please. Somebody. I said we're going after the one. I said we're going after the one. And so we need about 8000 for that. That's a camera. That's a laptop. That's a switcher. That's a better soundboard. And we are there. And we want to do that the week before Easter because during our Easter, during the Easter weekend, we have a service on Friday night, on Saturday, and Sunday. Did y'all know that? 
and we want to be streaming into our community before then. And finally, our backyard outdoor space. I can't wait for that. This is concrete. This is fencing in our back. This is a barbecue grill. This is electrical. So we can literally do church outside. We can do barbecues outside. We can offer quinceañeras for free for people who can't afford an event space outside. And that's our For the One ministry. Because we are wanting to love people back to life. Love people back to life. So as I mentioned, God's vision includes you. There's a one that you're thinking about. May not even live in this state, but they might watch us online. There's a kid in here. They don't need to go to church. They just need to meet you. They just need a book. They just need a hug. They just need us to show up. We're going to love our community and love each other back to life. And here are the commitments I'm asking for you. You can decide whatever one that the Lord is impressing you today to begin to do, but to pray for the one, to serve for the one. If you look over in the back on your way out, all of our teams have their tables out and they're saying today, somebody's going to sign up to serve for our team. You get to meet all of our team leaders and get to see what their teams do on our way out. And you sign up because you're saying, I want to serve. I want to be the one that brings that piece of steak to the sun. And some of you are going to decide, you know what, Pastor? The Lord's already been impressing me about giving. And look, you just start wherever it is. Even if you're saying, look, I'm just going to start with $5 a week. Just do it. Just be generous. Just get in the flow. Just allow God to lead you however he convicts you. And then we're going to make a commitment for some of us to look for the one. And I want to do a special prayer today because I recognize that somebody might be the one today. And all I want to do today is a special prayer for those who are making that decision. Either one of those decisions. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you as, and I pray, want to pray on behalf of our church. If you're the one today to you to hear that God is saying welcome home, that all is forgiven, that let me restore you and love you back to life. Or maybe God is speaking to you to make that commitment to give or make that commitment to serve on a team or make that commitment to pray. Maybe for the one you've forgotten about. Maybe for the one you've given up on. And maybe for someone who never walked through these doors, but pray that a church would receive them wherever they are. And so I want to do a special prayer. I want to ask for us to stand to our feet as we're able. And I just want to ask for those who just want a special prayer to just slip one down to the front. I'm just going to pray for you. This is just a model of saying, God, I'm making that decision. Maybe you just need to say, God, I'm just aligning my vision with yours. If you want to be so courage, just come up to the front. Church, I need you to celebrate because I don't know what they're coming for, but they're coming. Yeah, come on down. We want to pray for you. I see my church leaders coming down to pray. Come on down. Don't be ashamed. Whatever your step is. You're saying, God, it's for the one. I'm seeing kids come down here. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you. 
Thank you for the decisions that are being made today. For the courage that is in their heart to be bold and say, God, I'm making that decision today. Lord, we align our vision with your vision. We surrender our will and our personal desires to what you want. We give you our plans. We give you our dreams. We give you our desires. And today, Lord, for those who have come forward, I pray for a special blessing for them. May they leave today knowing that you have exhausted all of heaven for them. And that there's nothing that you won't do. I thank you for the children, for the teens. For the ones without fathers. For the ones without positive male interaction. For the young girls who don't have a father. For the older women that don't have a father. Lord, the relationships that you will connect in this church to love them back to life. There are people here who are dead. They're dead emotionally. They're dead spiritually. They're buried in debt. They don't know what to do. And Father, we're claiming right now that your vision is for us. That you would love us back to life in this moment. And so, Lord, we rejoice. Lord, we thank you. Because everything we need is in this room. And we've already decided to receive what you have for us. So we leave with joy. We leave with thanksgiving. We leave excited about knowing that your future is for us and your hope is for us. And so we rejoice today for those who have come, for those who stayed in their seats. Lord, this day we receive the vision that you have for us and we will go forward knowing that it will be done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can somebody, can somebody celebrate? Can somebody rejoice? Amen. Give me a second.